Praise God. You can be seated. If you're happy and you know it, shout amen. amen. We are so happy and honored, Lola and I, to be with you this morning. You know, we love your pastors. Uh, pastors Keith and Phyllis Moore, we've known them for many years, been in relationship, and we value and esteem them highly. And of course, uh, Pastors Dave and Kim, thank you for your warm hospitality. And as I look out, of course, we have so many friends here that we've known through the years and had a relationship with. Faith Life Church. One church, two locations. Amen. So welcome everyone in Sarasota and also here uh, today. You know, um, as we were in this meeting last week, Pastor Moore had mentioned uh, several times or referenced the fact that, you know, the year of 2020 seemed to have had a great impact on local churches nationwide as an itinerant, one who does go from place to place and church to church. I can certainly attest to that reality. It seems that many uh, Christians uh, have adopted the ideologies of our present society, which are individualism, isolation, non-accountability, convenience, right? All of which are really contrary to the ideologies of the kingdom and our Father's design for the body of Christ, which is the communion and the community and the fellowship of the saints. Amen. Service in the kingdom of God, service to other people, uh, even sacrificially so at times. I, I think perhaps the enemy attempted to dismantle the impact of local churches worldwide because he understands that the local church is something very dear to the heart of God. And it is essential to the life of every Christian. But aren't you glad that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 in the latter part of the verse, he said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Everybody say they're coming back. Double. Amen. And so ever since he uttered those words, I will build my church, he's been busy. Establishing his kingdom, building his church, the ecclesia, the elect, those who are called out separated from the world, separated unto his divine purpose, and empowered to establish his will and his kingdom in the earth. And a very essential part of that building program and process is the local church. I'm not sure that many Christians realize, but probably one of the most important and crucial decisions you'll ever make as a Christian is where you go to church. That one decision will impact your life personally as a believer, your family, and potentially your divine purpose and destiny. I think it's interesting to note in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul, of course, writing uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, God has set the members each one of them in the body. Now notice, just as he pleased. How many of you are members of the body? And according to the scripture, the Bible says God has set the members in the body just as he pleased. Notice it doesn't say just as we pleased, right? 
The Moffat translation, and I'll just quote it to you, says, As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. So what that tells me or infers is that if we are members in particular and God has set the members in the body as it has pleased him, then where I go to church and where you go to church is not necessarily a matter of personal preference as much as it is a matter of divine appointment and placement. Now, there are several reasons for this. First of all, we understand every sheep needs a shepherd and a sheepfold. This is God's way. And so this is his plan. And so he will place each one of us as as a believer in a local church under the care of a pastor where we can be fed the word of God. We can grow up spiritually. We can be nurtured and protected as a young believer. We can be encouraged and preserved as a mature believer. And where we can receive the necessary revelations, truth, spiritual equipment, impartations to keep us from the snares of the enemy along our journey and to put us on the right path to fulfilling our destiny, uh, whether that be in life, family, business, ministry, whatever the case may be. And of course, we also understand that the local church is a place where each of us find our significance as a Christian. It's where our individual purposes are discovered within the context of the corporate purpose. How many of you realize none of us were created to be an entity unto ourselves? The reality is, as as a believer, our lives... Our purposes and our destinies are interconnected in Christ. And so my life as a Christian and your life as a Christian can never truly find its significance until we discover how we relate to the body of Christ as a whole. And for most of us, uh, that discovery is going to take place once again within the context of the local church. And also, of course, the local church is where we establish relationships with other believers. It's where we mutually supply one another, encourage one another. When I grew up as a Southern Baptist man, the local church, and I was in a small community, but the local church was the hub of the community. How many of you can remember that? And I mean, when one was down or one was hurting, everyone rallied around that individual. And it's important. That's why Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and I'm sure you've read this many times over the last three years, not forsaking, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. One translation says, let's not give up meeting together. So I know you're a mature body of Christ, and you don't need my commendation, but I do want to commend you this morning for getting up, getting dressed, and coming to church and assembling together as the body of Christ. Amen. Now, if you're watching online, of course, we're so happy that you are. And uh, I want you to know right off the bat, this is a joke that I'm about to tell. Uh, so don't be offended. But I saw this on social media a long time ago. And uh, 
you know, Mr. Jones passed away. And so he went up to heaven and Peter met him at the pearly gates. And Peter's checking the roll. And he says, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, oh yes, Mr. Edward Jones. He said, I see you, sir, right here. Now, I do see a comment uh, by your name. I see that you didn't actually attend church, but you did watch it online. So, you don't actually get to go into heaven, but you may watch it online. (laughs) It's a joke if you're watching online. Amen. But as was reiterated several times this past week, man, if you can come, if you're able, it's good to get up and come. But if you can't, isn't it wonderful you can join online? So, you know, I would never be where I am in my life if it were not for my constant and continual relationship with the local church throughout my life. As I said to you, I was born and raised Southern Baptist in the local church. I started serving at 16 years of age as the full-time church pianist. Uh, I was trained in the local church. I met my wife in the context of a local church. Our ministry was launched within the framework of a local church. And a lot of our, our ministry today is still to the local church. Someone say, thank God for the local church. And so I said to you, you know, that where we go to church is not so much a matter of personal preference as much as it is a matter of divine appointment and placement. And I said to you, there are several reasons for this. Uh, first of all, God knows what each of us are going to need personally along our journey to mature, to develop to face, as we say, the battles of life successfully, to fulfill our divine uh, purpose, and he knows where to send us to receive that necessary spiritual equipment, impartations, revelations, etc. But did you know also he understands and knows the relationships that need to be formulated and forged in our lives that will be mutually beneficial between the two parties that are engaged in those relationships, but it will also be beneficial for kingdom purposes. How many of us realize there are not only personal destinies, but there are corporate ones? So God will join personal destinies to formulate corporate ones. Uh, And we see this beautifully in Exodus 31. I'm sure you've read these scriptures, but it's good just to be reminded. Exodus 31, uh, beginning in verse 1 through 6, and also verse 11, notice God's given Moses a commission to build a, a, a tabernacle. Now watch what he says. And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, See, I've called by name Bezeel, the son of Uri, of the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom in understanding, in knowledge, and in all workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, in the cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, 
have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishma of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans. Now, I want you to notice this phrase, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Verse 11, and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, shall they do. Isn't that awesome? So when God calls a pastor and sends them to a location with a vision, guess what? He simultaneously calls a people if they are listening. With the gifts and the graces and the talents and the resources and the abilities to bring that vision into fruition. Amen. So I always encourage people, people never allow anyone or anything to separate you from your God appointed place in the body of Christ as it pertains to the local church. You know, I've lived long enough to see people uh, have left those God appointed places because of offense, maybe disagreement, personal agenda. Right? Even life's discouragements. And it doesn't always fare well. I'll tell you, there's an eternal reward for staying faithful to your God-appointed place. Everybody say, I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. Amen? Now listen, we realize people transition in life by the leading of the Spirit. One of the ministries of a local church and a pastor is to raise up leaders in the body of Christ and to send them forth into their place. Uh, But generally speaking, I believe once again, you can be born and raised in the same city and attend the same church your entire life by the design and will of God. Amen. And be a blessing there. So I said all that to say, that's not our main agenda this morning, but I just wanted to begin with that brief exhortation. I said all that to say, as I look around me here at at this beautiful facility, uh, this campus, and also uh, in Sarasota, I've been to both locations. I I, want to commend you. You've done a beautiful job of uh, supplying this vision, this house, uh, and uh, bringing this vision into fruition. But how many of you know the best is yet to come? It's not over yet. That's our expectation. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.18, and I'm just taking a little journey here. No, I didn't give you the Scripture. But the Scripture says, you know, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until it reaches its full strength in the noonday. Argue with me, or the perfect day. So quite naturally, if it would be God's divine intention for our lives personally to go from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength, to shine brighter and brighter, then quite naturally it would be his intention likewise for the corporate and the collective body. And that is our expectation. Faith Life Church, can you say amen? We're going from faith to faith, glory to glory, and strength to strength. And everybody say it with me. The best is yet to come. Amen. So, you know, just thinking about all that, it seemed good to me and the Holy Ghost this morning to have what I call a celebration service. Ooh. 
just calling to mind and reflecting upon the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the blessings of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God that has been extended toward us multiple times, to reflect upon that and to offer uh, what the Bible refers to as the sacrifice of praise. Anybody with me? Personally and corporately. Now, I know you have one of the best teachers in the world as your pastor. I get it. And there's nothing that I'll probably share with you unless you're visiting that you haven't heard before. But I just want to go back and lay a good solid foundation from which to operate this morning so that everyone in the house knows what we're doing is in order in scriptural. All righty. So first of all, just a little history lesson. Uh, you know that in the Old Testament, you don't mind if I take a swig, do you? I'm from the South. It is a swig of water. Praise God. So, you know, in the Old Testament, there was a priesthood from the tribe of Levi. And it was the uh, responsibility of the priesthood, not only to carry out the administrative duties of the temple, but also to offer the sacrifices that were required as ordinance of worship under the Old Covenant. So there were daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices, annual sacrifices, wave offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings, offerings given for restored health. You name it, they had it. And it was the responsibility of the priesthood to offer those sacrifices. Well, how many of you know that in the New Covenant that the institution of the priesthood still exists? How do we know? Well, because the Bible tells us so. First Peter chapter two and verse nine. Notice you speaking of you and I are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So if someone comes up to you and says, well, aren't you special? You say, yes, I am. I sure am. His own, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here you and I are in the uh, New Testament dispensation and as the sons and the daughters of Almighty God, we constitute the new covenant priesthood, right? Now, you understand in the Old Testament, just a little further history lesson, that man is separated from God because of sin. We have a sin problem. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, what does the Bible tell us? It says the wages or the payment necessary for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So because the payment or the compensation necessary for sin uh, is death, God said in the Old Covenant, listen, I'm going to devise a temporary solution for the sin problem. And here's what we're going to do. Every year, once a year, the high priest... And only the high priest 
will come into the inner sanctuary of the temple known as the Holy of Holies. And he will shed the blood of a sacrificial animal upon the altar and sprinkle its blood on the mercy seat in my presence. And I will receive the blood of that animal as payment or compensation for the sins of the people for one year. We're going to call it the Day of Atonement. The day of restitution. The day of payment. You say, why blood? Well, Leviticus 17 and 11. What does the scripture say? The life of the flesh is where? In the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement or compensation for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So when the blood of that animal was shed and poured out, it was symbolic as uh, as if it were a substitutionary sacrifice. The lives uh, of the people or the life of the animal in substitution for the lives of the people. There was compensation, restitution. So God said we're going to do that every year, right? Because Hebrews 9, is it 22, uh, that says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There can be no dismissal of the charges. So we'll do it every year until I can send the final solution. Which he did. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. She will bring forth a son. And will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. How? By shedding his own blood. The Lamb of God, the Bible calls him. Slain from the foundations of the world upon the altar of the cross. Eternally purging the sins of all who will receive the sacrifice. How many of you have received by faith the sacrifice? Congratulations. Your sins are forgiven. You have been justified. Woo! By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 and 12, what does it say? Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. Woo! He entered once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. That sacrifice never has to be offered again. That sacrifice has eternally satisfied the claims of justice. Aren't you glad? So the sin offering never has to be offered again. And yet here we are in the New Testament covenant. We are the New Testament priesthood. And there are still sacrifices that are required as ordinances of worship under the new covenant that are to be offered by the priesthood. Okay? Now, it's not the blood of goats, pigeons, calves, doves, right? Bulls, heifers. What are they? Well, aren't you glad the New Testament tells us? Look here in First Peter chapter 2. And verse 5. You also, as lively stones, are being built up a spiritual house, yes, a holy priesthood. 
to offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So the sacrifices that you and I are uh, are to offer in the new covenant are predominantly uh, spiritual in nature and origin. And the New Testament gives us insight as to what those sacrifices consist of. We'll just look at two. The first one, of course, uh, you're familiar with is in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Remember? Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. A what? A living sacrifice. Uh, One translation says, a lifetime sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. One translation says, our spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. So one of the sacrifices that we're to offer, quite naturally, is our bodies, our lives, lived in honor, submission and reverence to God 24-7. Are you with me? I like the Message Bible. I didn't give it to the guys for the Scripture. I'll just quote it to you. Uh, But the Message Bible really brings it home. Paul said, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. And I want you to place it before me as an offering. And don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even realizing it. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Woo! So that's one of the sacrifices that we're to offer as New Testament priests. But the one we want to camp on and experience and express this morning is found over in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And and like I said to you, you know, your pastor is one of the best teachers in the world. He also taught a course called Praise Life. When I was a teacher at Rhema, I taught disciplines of the Christian life. And one of the uh, disciplines was the exercise of this particular uh, sacrifice. But I'm going to rehearse it with you anyway, although you know it, okay? So notice Hebrews 13 and 15. This is another sacrifice that we're to offer as the priesthood and is required as ordinances in the new covenant. Therefore, by him, by Jesus Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Now, aren't you glad there isn't a period there? Because we would be left a little bit in the dark. But he gave us the information we needed. So he goes on to say the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So we can see by the scripture that the sacrifice of praise demands the expression of the heart. 
in thanksgiving to God through the lips or the mouth. Are you with me? Now, in our modern society, people have become uncomfortable expressing uh, themselves intimately or their heart. And so you'll see in a wide uh, expression uh, in churches that when people say praise the Lord, uh, people will substitute an external action for an internal response. Are you with me? Now, if you want to clap with the music, enjoy yourself. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Writing to the musician, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. But when someone says, let's praise God, that's when the hands go up and the mouth goes open. And we begin to express our thanksgiving, our love, our appreciation, our adoration to the one who has given us life. Are you with me? Is this scriptural? Yeah. Psalm 34 and verse 1. Notice the connection. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Here's another one, Psalm 71 and verse 8. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. So once again, the sacrifice of praise demands the expression of the heart in thanksgiving to God through the lips or the mouth. Now, as I told you, I taught at Rhema Bible Training Center. One of the courses we taught uh, was the heart of the worshiper. So we did some investigation, you know, along these lines. So thinking about the word praise from the Hebrew, I want to give you about five different connotations uh, or aspects of praise from the Hebrew. All right. The first one means to shine, shine. So that means something should be evident on your countenance. Are you with me? You cannot praise God with an old mully grub face. Well, praise the Lord. He's good. Really? I don't believe you. Right? <laughs> Come on. The Bible says lift up your countenance. All you saints of the Lord. A cheerful heart makes a... What is it? I mean a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. So something on the inside ought to be showing up on the outside when we're praising God. Okay? So as pastor said, let me see your teeth. Come on. If you got him. If you got some. Come on. <laughs> shine. When we're praising God, it means to shine. The second meaning is to make a show. Make a show. What in the world does that mean? Well, hang around. We'll be demonstrating. <laughs> Make a show. To me, that says something is occurring that is observable. Are you with me? Something's going on. Now, we're not making a show of ourselves, but we're making a show of Him and His goodness and His awesomeness. Are you with me? So something's going on that is observable. So we're going to shine, make a show. And of course, the next one is to boast. 
boast. When you're praising God, there's an aspect of boasting. Now, if we just give a, a elementary definition, it means to brag. So when we are praising God, we're what? We're bragging on Him. You know what I'm saying? Man, when I was in, in grammar school, and I don't, I'm not proud of it, but you know, sometimes you get in little tussles on the playground with a classmate over something, you know, and you start losing. And you get up, man, you start talking about what? Your daddy. Man, my daddy's six foot two. He will whip you and your daddy. You remember that? <laughs> now they try to shoot you, but we just used to talk about our daddy. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what we do when we praise God. We start bragging on Him. Oh, Father, there's none above you. There's none beside you. There's none before you. You alone are God. Your throne is established in the heavens. You rule among the kingdoms of men. You have all power, all dominion, all authority, and we worship you and we praise you. We start bragging on him. Woo! Now we're going to shine, make a show, boast. Now here's my favorite. Uh, and it's called celebrate. That's an aspect of praise. When you're praising God, there's celebration in process. Now, has anyone ever seen anybody celebrate? Come on, raise your hand. You know, kids are great at it. So uninhibited. But you know, a great example, and I'm sure you've heard it. But if you're a sports fan, anybody in here like football, basketball, base? Come on, don't be ashamed of it. Amen. And I mean, you're a bona fide fan of your team. Now, may I ask you a question? If you're at the game and there's, let's just say, 30, 45 seconds left on the clock, your team's got the ball, they're in close proximity of the goal line, and uh, they need a touchdown in order to win, and they hike that ball, and the quarterback makes a successful pass to the receiver, and the receiver crosses that goal line, and you know... We just won. <laughs> and there's no way they're coming back. And you are a fan. You don't sit there and say, well, isn't that wonderful, Martha? My boy's got a touchdown. Is that how you act if you're a fan? Man, no. I mean, if you're a bona fide fan and your team makes that touchdown, you're jumping up and down. Woo you're running around. You're hugging people. And nobody thinks anything about it. Nobody. Man, look at them. They're just rejoicing. They're fanatic. They're fans. Right? Well, how many of you know Jesus did a lot more than take a bag of wind down the field? He redeemed us. He saved us. He raised us up. He deserves a little celebration. And guess what? It's in order when it's in order. Are you with me? So we're going to celebrate. Now, some people come to church and they get so pious and they say, well, we don't need all of that commotion and emotionalism. But the same person will be at home in their easy chair with their bag of chips and a Dr. Pepper and go crazy over the sporting event. 
<laughs> Don't you think he deserves more than that? Amen. So we're going to praise him this morning. We're going to shine, make a show, boast, celebrate. And then, of course, the fifth one uh, is to commend or speak favorably of. So when we praise God, we're commending him and speaking favorably of all that he has done for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You made us new creations. You've raised us up and made us sit in heavenly places. You've brought us out of darkness into light, out of death into life. Thank you. Are you with me? And then, of course, the Greek meaning is very simply the genuine. That means heartfelt. The genuine confession. There's the mouth again. The genuine confession of facts in one's life that brings glory to God. So that comes to the personal level. The things that he has done for you and for me personally along our journey. And we acknowledge and thank and praise him and speak favorably of those things. Are you with me? So this morning, as I said, it's going to be a celebration service. We're going to offer the sacrifice of praise. First Chronicles 16 and 34. Notice, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's good and his mercy endures forever. Now, this is one I really like. Psalm 92 verses 1 and 2 in the Living Bible. Watch this. It is good to say thank you to the Lord. To sing praises to the God who is above all gods. Now notice, every morning tell him, thank you for your kindness. Every evening rejoice. In all of his faithfulness. So when you open your eyes in the morning, just say, thank you, Lord, for your kindness. When you lay your head down at night, rejoice in all of his faithfulness. Are you with me? Now, here's where you're coming in. This is not a spectator service today. This is a participator service. So get ready. All right. This is where you come in. Psalm 35 and 28. The psalmist said, I will tell everyone how great and how good you are. I will praise you all day long. I'll tell everyone how good and how great you are. Are you with me? Sometimes you need to tell it so that others can hear it. So that not only does it glorify God, but it encourages their faith. So here's what we're going to do this morning. And I know we're one church in two locations, but it's going to be all right. Everybody's going to participate in both places. Amen. So in a moment, not now, but in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you guys want to go on back up and just kind of be a support network <laughs> visually, amen. In a moment, I'm going to ask everybody in the house, all the way to the back, to stand. And I know that's a that's quite a challenge, these inclines. I got started down that aisle one night, and I didn't think I was going to stop. <laughs> but everybody's going to stand. And on the count of three, I'm going to say one, two, three. We are all going to lift our voices 
in a corporate shout of praise. You say a shout. If you're visiting, you know, you say, well, do I have to shout? Oh, yeah, put your head back and let her rip. It'll be good for you. Amen. <laughs> It'll be good for you. You say, why do we have to shout? I don't know. God likes it. You say, how do you know he likes it? All you have to do is read the Old Testament. And listen, most often when God was in charge of the battle plan, he would say, now listen, guys, whether it was Joshua and the battle of Jericho, Gideon and the Midianites, Israel and the Philistines, God would say, all right, guys, do this, 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 and this, and then shout. There is something about the shout when it comes out of the recreated human spirits of God's people that activates things in the realm of the spirit, obviously, because when they shouted, what happened to the walls? They fell. They came down. You need some walls to come down in your life? Get ready to shout. You know, they say for the tough stains, you got to shout it out, right? You say, well, I've never done that before. Well, now's a good opportunity this morning. You're in good company. Everybody's going to be shouting. They're not going to be looking at you. Just let her go. Amen. So we're going to start with that corporate shout of praise. And we're going to encompass in that our thanksgiving to God for all that he has done and is doing. All that he has done. Excuse me. Reflecting on his goodness. His faithfulness to us as a church, as a people, the things that he's done. And we want to just offer that Thanksgiving with a corporate shout. We're going to scare every devil in Branson and Sarasota. I mean, they're going to know Faith Life Church is alive and well. Woo! So we're going to do that. And then, this may be a little different. I'm going to ask different ones of you, and I know we have a lot of people, so we can't take everybody, but I'm going to ask different ones of you, as your heart prompts you, to come up here. I'll be standing up here. There'll be a lot of excitement. To come up here and to share or give a personal sacrifice of praise something good that God has done for you. And offer that sacrifice in the assembly of the church. Are you with me? And and listen now. uh, This sacrifice personally. It's not our latest revelation from the scripture. It's not a mini sermon. Right? This is a short. Concise. Testimony. Of something good that God has done for you because we want to keep the flow going. We don't have a a lot of time. So you ever read a newspaper or a magazine? You have headlines, fine print. No fine print. Okay? This is headlines only. All right? So this is not gender uh, specific. This is personality specific. So if you are a person given to great detail, just start thinking now about how you can headline it. The what, the when, the how. You know, if he healed you, tell us what you had and what he did. If he delivered you from drugs, alcohol, fear, 
oppression, anxiety, come tell us. You say, well, why do I need to do that? Because it proclaims the goodness of God, first of all, and it inspires faith in others who may be dealing in the same area. Are you with me? So when you come, I will hold the microphone. I hold it. Okay. Because I... I want to make sure it's up here. Some people, you know, they try to grab. No, I'm going to hold it. And don't be pulling against me because I'll pop you in the mouth. Just let me, you know, accidentally. So let me hold it. And then you come up and you tell us something good that God's done. So the first thing we're going to do is give a good shout corporately. For all he has done. Then I'm going to take a few testimonies. And the way we'll do it is line up on this side. Line up a few on this side. I'll call you one at a time. You come up and you tell us headlines. (laughs) Amen. Keep it enough to keep interesting. All right. And then. Then we're going to end with a final shout. But that shout is what I call a shout of expectation. You know, there's a praising God for all that He has done. But there's also a praising God for what we're expecting Him to do based on the promises of His Word or a revelation of the Spirit. Did you know you can praise Him in advance? Lillian B. Yeomans made this statement. She said, praise hastens victory. What does that mean? Praise accelerates or activates. Is is that scriptural? I believe it is. Here's our last scripture. Acts 16, 25 and 26. You've read it many times. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Thank God for that. And sang praises unto God in a very quiet, reverent voice. They didn't want to disturb the other prisoners. Is that what it says? (laughs) Man, they were making a ruckus. All the prisoners heard them. And I love this. And suddenly, how many of you know things can happen suddenly in the atmosphere of praise? Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, Paul and Silas' doors were open. Is that what it says? It says all the prison doors were open. Everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone in the vicinity of that praise, because there's power in praise, got blessed, liberated, set free. How many of you believe there's power in praise? You may have come in here this morning and man, there's just been a a heaviness or whatever the situation may be. You can leave with the prison door open and the bands loosed by doing nothing more than lifting your heart and your voice unto God in praise. And that corporate praise, God inhabits the praises of his people and things can be broken and lifted. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I had a young lady that was in our uh, class at Ramah. Uh, She didn't write me till 10 years later. And if I called her name, many of you would know. But she said, Reverend Blackwelder, I wanted to call, uh, write uh, your office and give you this testimony. 
She said, you know, I was new to Rhema. I'd never really heard of Brother Hagin, I, I, but I felt led to come to, to school. And so you were teaching disciplines of the Christian life, and the discipline that week was the discipline of praise and worship. And so she said there was such a high praise in the room at the conclusion of the class, and people started taking off. They were running and dancing and shouting. And she said, I'd never been in an atmosphere like that in my life. I had my hair up, my high heels on. And, and she said, I just felt like... Something was, you know, inspiring me to take off running. Now, you know, is that scriptural? It is when, when it's the Holy Ghost. You remember when the Spirit of God came upon Elijah? First Kings 18. And man, he outran the chariots all the way back to Jezreel. That's supernatural. So she said, I just felt like I should take off running. She said, but uh, once again, I had my hair fixed nice and my high heels on. And, and I had chronic asthma all my life. I knew I couldn't do it. She said, everything died down. And, and then you got up and you said, someone missed their opportunity. And the Lord wants to work a miracle. Let's all stand again, I said. And let's start praising him again. And she said, everybody did. And she said, that same sense came upon me. We're in the army, RMAI, if you know what that building is. And she said, uh, all of a sudden, I just kicked off my high heels. And I took off running around that auditorium. And she said, Brother Marty, when I got around that, that corner and came back around, and she may have gone more than once, but she said, I got to tell you something that's been 10 years ago, and I've never had another asthma attack in my life. Amen. There's power in pure, when I say pure praise, not mere commotion, but when it's coming from the heart. Are you with me? So we'll do that. We're going to give that final shout of expectation. And we're going to, as the children of Israel did, they shouted before the walls fell. You got some things that you believe in God for? That you need to see come into fruition or you're standing for? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll reserve that shout for our praise of expectation. Are you with me? How many of you ever heard it said, uh, your celebration is a demonstration of your faith in the fact God has heard my prayer and the answer's on the way. Amen. Everybody stand up. <clears throat> is there any way to move this little pulpit? Thank you. <clears throat> Woo! Anybody in the house ready to offer the sacrifice? Would it be bad if I turn this around or just... A little bit so I can hear. Give me just a little bit more of this mic and this monitor. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready in Sarasota? Huh? All right. We're going to all shout together in both places. Are you ready? Here we go. And what are we doing? Thanking him for all that he has done. His faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy. Are you with me? All right. Get ready. One, two, three. Come on.
something good the Lord's done. All right, you're watching back there. January of last year, I was in TJ Maxx shopping, and I felt a pain, and a thing come through my eye. I said, Lord, what did I pray against? He said, stroke. I went down on the floor having a stroke in TJ Maxx. The enemy told me, he said, I'm going to kill you. The word of God rose up within me. I said, I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. He said, I said, you're going to die. I said, I said the word of God. And my God says, I should not die, but I should live and declare the works of the Lord. He said, you're going to be paralyzed on your left side. I said, I should not die, but I shall live and declare the words. <laughs> you got a little more? Hey, and then he said, you'll never preach again, lady. I said, my God said, I shall have what I say. And I agree with his word. And I've got work to do for the Lord. All of hell cannot stop me. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. And after that, they put me on the radio. <laughs> Give me an usher to help. Come on, tell us. Come on. I mean, just down there, you can help them up. Help them up. Oh, you got a testimony. Come on, Wayne. <laughs> Tell us how good he's been. He's been so good. A year ago, right after the week of increase on Sunday, I went to the woods with a ladder, fell 15 foot on my head, was totally paralyzed, laying on the ground. A friend called me, was able to tell him where I was at so my wife could send help. And they hauled me into the hospital. I broke my neck in the fifth and sixth vertebra. They went in and operated, and I'm healed, man. <laughs> Somebody better celebrate a little bit. Come on. Hey, Tell us how good. I just want to thank God for being so merciful to me, so kind to me, helping me be a good dad, saving me, delivering me, keeping me, providing me. 
He, he loves me so much, and I'm just so thankful. Ah, I love you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Come on up, sister. Woo. Circle back around with that track. Amen. Um, our daughter had gotten away from the Lord, and um, the Lord bought, brought her back to Branson, and she rededicated her life to the Lord, and now she is going to marry a pastor. Hallelujah! <laughs> That's awesome! Come on! Oh, how beautiful! Man, God not only restores, but then He elevates. Amen? Tell us how Well, prior to being called the Faith Life Church, I was on a praise team up in Illinois, and played guitar, sang, and all that good stuff. And it turned out that all of a sudden, all kind of pain, and I could not lift my arms. So it was frozen shoulder, both both shoulders. I could not. I mean, it's severe pain. So guess what happened? Woo! <laughs> Glory to my precious Jesus. Yes! Did you hear she had frozen so- shoulders and then the Lord healed her and she could do that? Come on up, brother! Woo! Hey, hey, tell us how good. We were a couple weeks away from having our house sold because we were in foreclosure. Then all the money came in and two extra months beside. Glory! <laughs> Amen! You can stay right there and I'll come down to you. Tell us how good he's been to you. He has not cured me from cancer once, twice. (laughs) Hey, he's the healer. Tell us how good. God told me to quit my job and come here. I didn't want to do it, but he told me he would bring money with wings. I got here, been here five years, cleaning toilets building rat pallet racking two weeks ago i was made the warehouse leave man <laughs> that's called holy ghost promotion amen god bless you y'all all right taking just a few more amen tell us how good it's been a year and five months ago my husband went home to be with the lord suddenly unexpectedly and i am so thankful for the teaching i've had in this church Thank you, Jesus. And he's provided supernaturally ever since, provided me friends and family and people to help me. And he's paid off my house, and I'm completely out of debt. (laughs) Paid off her house and completely out of debt, giving her peace and confidence in life. Oh, thank you, Lord. This is the sacrifice of praise. Tell us how good. So my wife and I, she's standing right there. Been serving God for 50 years. We raised two boys in the church every Sunday, every Wednesday. They were there with us. They never departed from God. Served Him all the days of their life. Didn't cause us any grief. And now we got seven grandkids, all of them serving God, blessing us. And you know what, Brother Marty? You people out there, you mothers and fathers, you can believe God for your children to serve the God every day of their life and prosper. (laughs) Come on up, brother. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Come stand right here. Woo, tell us how good. 
Sir, how good the Lord's been. This month of October 26th, I'm on the poster upside. God's been so good to me, I'm 83 years old and take no pills. <laughs> 83 and no pills. Sounds like my mother-in-law. Same testimony. Come on up, brother. Hey! We got just a few more, okay? Hold on. I have a lot to be thankful for, but um, I came up here on Friday because I had pain in my knee for a couple weeks from, uh, you know, past football stuff. And uh, I noticed pretty much instantly that the pain was gone. I just want to thank God and thought it was appropriate to give a praise report. (laughs) Beautiful. Healed his knee Friday night. Come on, honey. Hey. Somebody shout glory. You can stay right there. And I'll... I'll just come right here with you. Several years ago, uh, the seatbelt on my car would not fasten. It wouldn't stay fastened. But I kept up the habit of fastening it all the time. And we tried to get it fixed. I got in the car, and it, it still wouldn't hold it. I, I held it up and said, God, if I ever need this thing, you're going to have to hold it for me. Several months later, I woke up in the hospital. I said, what happened? You had an awful head-on collision. And people said, I don't know why you weren't killed. Well, I've, I learned that a good friend from church was a first responder, and he had gotten to me there first. And he saw the situation. He said, if Pam hadn't had her seatbelt fastened, she'd have gone out that windshield. <laughs> and you didn't. Glory to God. Amen. And you're still here to testify. All right, we got about four or five more, and then we're ready. All right, hang in. You got to take your heels off, ladies. Take it off. All right. So a few years ago, I was on a country road on a, in a Ford Focus, and a Dodge Ram Dually ran out in front of me, missed the stop sign, T-boned me on the driver's side. 
we were backslid at the time, but something has always stuck with me, and that is calling the name of Jesus. And I seen the truck coming, so I yelled, Jesus. Threw me out in the cornfield, and I walked away. The car- out of the car, into a cornfield, and she walked away? The car, the whole front side of the car was smashed in. The whole back was smashed completely over, but the driver's door was untouched. <laughs> you talk about preservation. Come on. Hey. Woo. Tell us how good. Praise God. I was raised in a huge family. We were a religious family, and I loved God. I met God. My mom, we just uh, buried her uh, about 10 days ago. She was uh, almost 101. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost on her deathbed. Uh, she was praising God. She was raising her hands saying, He's coming! He's coming! He's coming! <laughs> and He is coming! Woo! Come on up, brother. Alright, we got two more, right? Alright, beautiful. Tell us, Brother Richard. I get to work with drug addicts and alcoholics. The first thing I want to know is what's your relationship with God? And most of them don't have one, so I get to introduce them to Jesus, and that makes the difference. Makes all the difference in the world. Okay, honey. Thank you, Lord. Tell us how good he's been. The Lord, a couple years ago, the Lord uh, brought me back to him, and I've uh, been a in church here since then, and he set me free from cigarettes, and he set me free from not wanting to read things that I ought not be reading, and uh just thankful that he drew me back to him. <laughs> Praise the Lord drew her back in. Come on, brother. You're our final one. Amen. Come on, tell us how good. God is good. Let me tell you why you're here. So Monday I came here, week of increase, I came here. Later I found out their names were, let's see, Don, Peggy, and Paula. They were sitting there in front of me. And when they were praising and they were worshiping, I stopped after the song and I said, They do it at the football game. Why not here? Why not here? (laughs) All right, man. God bless you. Why not here? Come on. (laughs) Amen. Now I want to ask you a question. We're getting ready for our final shout of anticipatory praise, expectation. And, uh, brother, you can get ready to cue it up, the same song, but not yet till we count to three. Because I want to ask you a question. How would you praise God if you knew the thing that you've asked for, believed for, and stood for was yours? Because it is. How would you shout? How would you dance? How would you praise Him? Well, on the count of three, just go ahead and demonstrate. One, two, three. Come on. Come on, Sarasota. It's coming to pass. All of it is coming to pass. Boy, yes, it is. We're not taking no for an answer. The assignments, the promises, they're all coming to pass. Oh, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Oh, 
love you, Lord. Expecting some testimonies from this morning. Expecting some testimonies. Hey, we praise God in advance, Brother Marty, and this happened. Amen. Let's give him one more shout. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're good. We love you. We worship and adore you and thank you for your goodness to this house. Man. Oh, we got to do...